25 minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Oh, oh, oh. 
Israel 
Oh, 
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning. Welcome to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County, 91.9 FM. Around the world at jmtheam.org. I thank all of you who are tuned in via all the different methods uh, on the Internet, on your computer, on the app, on the listen line, whatever method you use to listen, I thank you. Yoram Gaon, Milchama Achrona. Can we feel the pain? A suggestion from one of our listeners, from Lenny Solomon, off of his CD, Stories from the Holy Land. And yes, doesn't it always seem like that's a story from the Holy Land, feeling the pain of our brethren thousands of miles away. Yaakov Shweki with Misha Berach, dedicated to the members of the Israeli Defense Forces. Ratza, done by Dedi. Laman Shemo, that's Chaim David in Regesh. Modani opening things up. As we say, good morning. It's Wednesday on this July 2nd, the 4th of Tammuz. We'll continue talking about what's uh, obviously the biggest story in the Jewish world, and that is the discovery of the bodies, the confirmation that they were murdered almost immediately after they were abducted, the three precious boys in Israel, and of course the funerals that took place yesterday. Uh, those of you who had an opportunity to listen into the eulogies that were delivered, they were uh, they were really stirring, and um, many of them got a got across some messages that were just so poignant and so incredible. And uh, here we are as we continue to um, look back at this horrific episode and look to the future and see how the state of Israel is going to be handling things with its neighbors, with those who are constantly seeking to destroy the state of Israel and all of its all of its inhabitants. J.M. in the A.M. today, Charlie Harari is going to join us. We'll talk about uh, the um, spiritual and inspirational angle to this whole story, which is, of course, uh, a very big part of this whole story. Harav David Stav is in town. He is the founder of the Tsohar 
rabbinical organization. He is here for the RCA gathering. He is, um, quite frankly, one of the most brilliant spokespeople from the, uh, well, I guess we would call Datilumi community and um, the Religious National Camp, if you will. And um, he'll join us coming up at 8.30 this morning here at JM in the AM. I'm also told that member of Knesset, Dove Lipman, is going to make time for us in the 7 o'clock hour. <clears throat> the leader of his party had an interesting day yesterday. I thought came through with some uh, beautiful words. We'll talk about that. And more coming up here on a Wednesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. I know for many people, summer has already begun. I know a lot of folks are out in uh, summer camp environments. Kolakavod to the to so many summer camps that we're hearing about, both um, what we call sleepaway camps and day camps that have dedicated time, especially for the older campers, to this whole episode. And um, really helped the campers put things in perspective and together after so many spent a couple of weeks really uh, davening, praying, setting aside time, thinking about the boys in Israel. So a, a bit of an unusual time, the uh, the excitement of the beginning of the summer and, of course, the uh, depression that the collective Jewish world, the collective Jewish heart is experiencing in the aftermath of this news from Israel, uh, we will um, we will get to, as I said, we'll get to some of these conversations today, and obviously focus on uh, on the events in Israel. We also uh, we will make contact on Friday with Malcolm Honline. He's in Israel. There was a debate last week. If we'd be able to to have our conversation this week, as of now, it's on. So seven forty this coming Friday morning. That's right. Even on the fourth of July, this coming Friday morning, we'll speak to Malcolm Honline who I believe will still be in Israel on Friday. And uh, we'll discuss the events of this week. There's a lot to talk about, obviously. Try to get to everything. Of all newspapers, the New York Times had some interesting information this morning. I'm not in any way um, endorsing the way they cover this story or any other story out of Israel. But there's something I saw there which I had not seen on any of the other sites, maybe it just wasn't, uh, it, it didn't uh, stand out when I was looking at some of the Israeli news sources. I'm sure it's there. I just, uh, I just don't know. The teenagers were last seen about 10:15 p.m. on June 12th as they tried to hitchhike home. The authorities believe they were killed shortly after climbing into a Hyundai i35 that had been stolen from central Israel a month earlier, perhaps even as. Gilad managed at 10.25 p.m. to make a cell phone call to a police hotline. The two-minute call, broadcast on Israeli television and radio Tuesday after an order on its contents were lifted, was considered a prank by the police, delaying the start of the search. On the recording, Gilad says calmly and quietly in Hebrew, I've been kidnapped. Then one of his captors says, also in Hebrew, head down, and an Arabic orders him to hand over the phone. There are then what sound like gunshots and a painful groan before a police operator reportedly asks, hello, and then where are you? By the way, I debated about playing that recording on the air. Uh, I heard it multiple times yesterday. I think anybody who was tuned into anything heard it uh, multiple times yesterday. It's all over the place, and uh, I don't think we're going to play it here 
but I'm sure many of you have already heard it. If not, it is available, as I say, almost everywhere. And it is a chilling and just hard-to-believe uh, recording. The article continues, The first significant clue a spokesman for the Israeli police said was found the next morning. In the burned-out hull of the Hyundai was a pair of tefillin. DNA evidence from the car, which had been left in Chevron in the suburb of Dura, not far from the hitchhiking post, was quickly matched to their parents. After nearly two weeks combing caves and cisterns, another break came Thursday when searchers found a sandal that looked like one of the boys. Then just before 1 a.m. Sunday, the police brought a pair of spectacles found in the field to an eyeglasses store where the owner, Shalom Friedman, confirmed that he had sold them to Mr. Yifrach. Friedman said in a video interview, the eyeglasses were completely smashed. It was a chilling moment. Finally, Monday at 5 p.m., amid agricultural lands worked by the Kawasma family, search teams, including volunteer hiking guides, removed a bush that looked out of place, and then a pile of stones, and then three bodies whose identities were confirmed by forensics about 3 a.m. on Tuesday. It was kind of a puzzle, said a senior Israeli security official. There was no one golden piece of information. It's a huge area, he added. Not hard to hide people there. Every day the search area got narrowed down. So those are some of the details of what was known immediately in the aftermath of the abduction. And uh, and as I said, that the telephone call... Simply chilling and hard to believe. Quarter before 7 o'clock on this Wednesday morning, it's JM in the AM. As I said, guests coming up as we continue to discuss Israel in the aftermath of this uh, horrific episode. 45 minutes from now, Dove Lipman, member of Knesset, will be on. He's scheduled for 7.30, and uh, we'll ask him about the reaction from the Israelis and what we could possibly expect. Uh, we'll talk more about what happened yesterday and the funeral of Ayal Gilad and Naftali. By the way... Um, publications from right to left have been doing an amazing job, just like the Jewish world in general over the last couple of weeks. Incredible unity, incredible uh, spirit of cause. Really just uh, can't say enough about the Jewish world over the last couple of weeks. I want to um, acknowledge our friends at Hamodia. I, um, I'm holding in my hand a special supplement, uh, literally a magazine dedicated to the memory of Gilad Naftali and Ayal, with unbelievable photographs from around the world and, of course, many from Israel, reflecting what the Jewish people have been doing over the last couple of weeks. Um, an article from Rabbi Seth Mandel, whose son Kobe was killed 14 years ago, on what the parents are going through. And the articles about the power of prayer and the power of words and how to help children cope with the tragic news and photos from so many different gatherings over the last couple of weeks. So I wanted to give them a special uh, greeting this morning, our friends at Hamodia, and thank everybody who's really utilized whatever you have, whether it's a newspaper, a website, 
uh, a phone line, whatever it is that uh, that you are uh, in charge of, that you make available to the public. Uh, thank you to those who've used those outlets over the last couple of weeks to increase the Jewish unity and to keep our awareness on what has happened or what was happening in the state of Israel. JM and the AM, Wednesday morning, 13 minutes before the hour, and uh, let's continue with Baruch Levine. Oh, honey. 
Words that have become very, very, very familiar to us, even more so than usual, over the last couple of weeks. Achenu, before that, Shlomo Katz and Shema Kolenu, you heard Baruch Levine, Umacha, to open up that set. Uh, Dove Lippman, member of Knesset, is going to join us earlier than uh, we thought. He'll join us uh, right after the news from Israel coming up here on a Wednesday 
at JM and the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. I heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Harav David Stav, 8.30 this morning. He's here for the RCA convention, and he is uh, the founder of Tsohar, the Tsohar Rabbinical Organization in Israel. We'll get his perspective coming up. And um, Charlie Harari is going to join us. No doubt he has a unique perspective from a spiritual and inspirational angle. Uh, he'll join us about 8 o'clock this morning here at JM and the AM. Our stream is back to normal, which means that the um, replay of the 9 at 9 will take place starting at 9 o'clock this morning. Album of the week at 10 o'clock and then followed by the uh, Yussie's Weig Z-Report live lunch between 11 and 1. JMNAM.org all day long. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Wednesday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JMNAM. גלצל השעה שתיים, כאן רני אבנאי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. מאות בני אדם הגיעו היום לנחם את משפחות פרנקל, שייר ויפרח, שהחלו לשבת שבעה על בניהם. זה היה מאוד קשה, כאילו גם היה לי קשה לראות את איריס, את אימא שלו. פשוט לא יכולתי לשבת בבית. פשוט לשבת ולקבל כוחות מהאנשים האלה, אין, אין דברים כאלה. נכנסתי והיא ישר חיבקה ונשקה אותי רחל. זה היה צער של כולנו ולכן דחשנו צורך לפחות להשתתף ולנחם ולהגיד להם מן השמיים תנוחמו. את הקולות הביאו כתבינו אורי אלקיים ויערה שפירא. בתוך כך אתר ynet פרסם היום את ההקלטה המלאה של שיחת החטופים למוקד מאה. בהמשך השיחה, שגם היא קשה להאזנה, נשמעות יריות נוספות וכן שירה של החוטפים. ברשות הפלסטינית מאשימים את ישראל באחריות לחטיפת הנער משכונת שועפאט ורציחתו, כתבנו ג'קי חוגי. דברו של אבו מאזן מוסיף ודורש מישראל לחשוף את הפושעים ולהעמידם לדין. במקביל, אבו מאזן עצמו אומר היום לראש הממשלה נתניהו, גנה את רצח הנער כמו שאנו גינינו את חטיפת שלושת המתנחלים. אבו מאזן דורש מראש הממשלה לפעול להפסקת ההתקפות של מתנחלים על פלסטינים. לדבריו, חמישה עשר פלסטינים נהרגו מאז חטיפת השלושה, והדבר יצר אווירה מסוכנת. ראש הממשלה נתניהו שוחח בצהריים עם השר אהרונוביץ', וביקש שגורמי החקירה יפעלו במהירות האפשרית כדי להבין מי עומד מאחורי הרצח הנתעב ומה הרקע למעשה. במקביל נמשכות המהומות בירושלים, כתבנו יותם ברגר. כמה עשרות צעירים מתגודדים בשכונת שועפאט ומיידים אבנים אל עבר המשטרה כבר שעות. הרחוב הראשי בשכונה חסום לתנועה והרכבת הקלה שתחנותיה הושחתו ואחת מהן אף הוצתה אינה פועלת בשועפאט ובבית חנינה בהוראת המשטרה. במשטרה מדגישים כי כל כיווני החקירה עדיין נבדקים, ובהם גם הכיוון הלאומני וגם הכיוון הפלילי. צו איסור פרסום הוצא על כל פרטי החקירה. סמוך להתנחלות קדומים שבשומרון הוצתה האנדרטה לזכרו של עידו זולדן. תושבי האזור שהגיעו לאנדרטה מצאו אותה כשהיא מושחתת וחלקים ממנה שרופים. כתבנו ענבל תמיר מוסר שהמשטרה פתחה בחקירה. פרשת ההתעללות בבית החולים אלישע בחיפה, ארבעת המטפלים הורשעו, כתבנו קובי מנדל. הארבעה הורשעו במסגרת הסדר הטיעון בעבירה של תקיפת חסר ישע בנסיבות מחמירות. מפרקליטות חיפה נמסר שלמשפחה הוצגו הדילמות בתיק, ולאחר קבלת עמדתה הוחלט על הסדר הטיעון, וזאת בין היתר בשל קשיים ראייתיים שהתגלו ובעיקר סוגיות הכרוכות 
בקבילות הקלטת אשר תיעדה את מעשה הנאשמים באמצעות מצלמה נסתרת. עורכת דינו של אחד המטפלים, תמי אולמן, מסרה לנו שמדובר בהסדר מאוזן ומוצדק. עיריית תל אביב נערכת לסגירת המרכולים בשבת בעקבות החלטת שר הפנים. כתבתנו שרון פולבר. העירייה הגישה הבוקר בקשות לצווי איסור פתיחה בימי שבת ומועדי ישראל כנגד עסקים שימשיכו לפעול בניגוד לחוק העזר הקיים. ההתראות חולקו ל-311 בתי עסק שהתבקשו לסגור את שעריהם כבר בסוף השבוע הקרוב בעקבות החלטת שר הפנים. והתחזית, מחר הטמפרטורות ירדו מעט. אלה החדשות שעורך חדר שיפר. Thank which I thought was a, uh, a, a remarkable development. Could you address that for me? Absolutely. Um, Yair Lapid is one of the most, in my opinion, misunderstood uh, personalities in, uh, in the Knesset, in the government, and in politics in general. You know, there were a lot of raised eyebrows, and I joined with the Ishatid and, and joined with him, and certainly many attacks, and those were based on the fact that people did not have the opportunity that I had to sit with him for hours and understand what a, a depth of Judaism there is to this man, a, a belief in God, uh, growing up in a home where that wasn't uh, surrounding him, and just uh, one of the kindest souls I, I've ever met. And it oozes from him. It comes out in our meetings. It comes out regularly. There are policies that people have questions about, and I'm always open to answer them. But the mistake that people make is crossing over from policies into the, the person himself. So for me, uh, it wasn't at any level uh, a surprise at all. And I want to emphasize, the family asked him, the fa- each family was asked, uh, to ask for one member of the government to speak at the funeral. So in one, they asked for the defense minister, in one, they asked for the education minister, Shai Perun, from our party, and then the third one, they asked for the Shire family, asked for, asked for Yair, and the reason is, is so obvious to me that when he visited with them, they felt the care 
they felt the nurturing. He didn't turn his visit into anything political because that's the kind of uh, person that the Yair is, and therefore it was natural that he would speak. And if you, I, I advise everyone, everyone to go on timesofisrael.com and and his his hesped, his eulogy is featured there. Um, he talks about the need for us to be together at this time, and at the end. He quotes the Ariya Kadosh. Those were his words, by the way. He wrote this by itself. The Ariya Kadosh, who says that I, I hereby accept upon myself the the positive commandment from the Torah of love your neighbor like myself. And 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 this is Yair. And I'm happy people get to see it. And it's unfortunate that I have to take this circumstance to make it clear uh, what kind of a person he is. Uh, but uh, I'm happy that at least uh, people get to see uh, this side of, of him, and I have no doubt that there are many other misunderstood people as well, and it's just a matter of uh, disconnecting sometimes politics from the person. So he decided to end his speech with, Hareini mikabel alai mitzvat asei shel v'ahavta l'orecha kamocha v'areini ohevet kol echad mibnei Yisrael k'nafshi u'me'odi. His own decision. Uh, he wanted no one's involvement in the uh, eulogy. When I heard that he was speaking, I volunteered right away. Do you need help? It's a religious ceremony. No, he's sitting down and he's writing this by himself, and that's what he did. And I didn't doubt for a second that it would be meaningful, and it touched the families on the deepest of levels. Because here you see a a a, a person who is known in Israel as a secular icon uh, in Israel, and yet you see the the Judaism, you see the Bidamachavero, you see the love of fellow Jews, and and. I, 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 I will take the time to, for anyone who ever wants to hear more to explain that that is the kind of person uh, that Yair Lapid is through and through. And, and what he said that he took out a sitter and davened for the first time in six years, I want to just emphasize, it's not that it's the first time he prayed in six years. Uh, it's the first time that he looked for the sitter to actually daven one of the tefillos from beginning to end. Uh, and that's what he did at the moment that he heard about the boys uh, being kidnapped. <laughs> I think someone actually suggested at the funeral that the Hareini Mikabel that he quoted be used at the beginning of every Knesset session, which, uh, you know, it, it, it may it be... Was mentioned, it was mentioned, I think, by the Rosh Hashiva, a wonderful rabbi from uh, Mekor Chaim, where the two of the boys are from. Uh, he did mention that at the funeral. I, I can say that these last, you know, the 18 days really... Uh, you saw a side of Israel that unfortunately you don't see often enough. I, I disagreed with people who said, oh, all of a sudden now we're unified and, no, and normally we're not. I actually believe that we're always unified and, and Jews from all backgrounds will always be there to help other Jews. We have our debates and the like, but we, uh, we mask the unity that's there, but I actually feel that it's always in place. Uh, a member of Knesset, Dove Lipman is with us live via telephone. Um, so the uh, so when you say that the, someone like Yair Lapid, and again, I, I don't want to really focus on him, but I think he's so emblematic of, of, of so much that we learned about the people who live in Israel, our wonderful brethren, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, there, were, there were many like him who reached for a Sidor or a Tehillim for the first time in God knows how long because of this episode. And you and I have seen from both this side of the world, and of course you being there now on the spot in Israel, have seen many attacks, unfortunately, and many really bad episodes over our lifetimes. It, it, isn't it, can you describe for us or explain to us why this one seems to have unified the Jewish collective heart like none other? There was something about uh, boys, um, excuse me for tearing up, <sighs> there's something about boys on their way home from school, and parents 
waiting for them. And you hear the audio today of the father. Uh, it's been released, a father calling the police, and, and you hear the concern. And it, it, it's something that touches every person as a person. It's not an army. You know, your son goes to the army, your, your mind is focused on the part you realize. It's a possibility that something can happen, um, God forbid. This is something just a regular place, never happened before in this kind of a way. And then I have to add to it the nature of the families themselves, who seem to have been handpicked by the Rabboni Shalom for this, who did not allow it to get into politics at all. We don't know anything about their political orientation, and, and they talked about it as mothers and as fathers, and, 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 and they, they touched a, a part of the soul. Uh, which raised up the nation. You saw it happening day by day uh, as they took this with such grace and strength, and they raised everybody up. And I can tell you that that spirit is not is not going to go away so quickly. I walked around today in the Knesset with a printout of all the Mesechtot in Seder Nezikin, and I went around and I explained to, to the secular members of Knesset what it means to learn Mishnayot in memory of someone, and obviously the religious ones understood. And we as a Knesset are going to learn all of Seder Nezikin for the Shloshim. And this, is, this, this includes not only religious parties, uh, members of the Merit Party are doing it, of the Labor Party, of the Chadash Party, Dol Chenin, and we're all going to learn Seder Nezikin together. I think everyone realizes that there's something deeper that unifies us. And even if it's not about Shmir for Mitzvot, no one's saying that everybody has to uh, keep the Mitzvot, no one's forcing other people to keep the Mitzvot, but that underlying uh, covenant, that underlying spirituality which unifies all of us in terms of what kind of people we are, in terms of not accepting the kind of behavior of our neighbors and our enemies, uh, that unified everyone together. And I, I think... Uh, I can tell you that certainly sitting there on, on Sunday night at the rally in Tel Aviv and being there at the funeral uh, yesterday, you, 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 the, the love just oozed, oozed through the crowd and, and all externals uh, and ideologies fell to the side. I know you're on a very tight schedule, so you'll just tell me when you have to go, but I, I got a few things I got to ask you. Um, you know, we like to point out in light of, and you're, you've been involved in a lot of these discussions. Uh, which I'm not going to get into now. It's not an appropriate day to, to ask you about these topics. But but a lot of discussions that end with us and people like me saying that the greatest funder of Torah education in the history of the world is the state of Israel. And now I think we could add to that the only governmental body <laughs> on the planet that is actually making a commitment to Seder Nezikin would be the Knesset, the parliament of the state of Israel. I think it's very true, and um, you know, I always say I wish people could see some of the things that I've been blessed to see behind the scenes here. In terms of, and I'll just give you an example, Yair Lapid sitting with, and I won't mention the name just so I don't hurt his standing or the like, but, but with, with, a, with a member of the United Torah Judaism Party sitting together over coffee, uh, laughing with each other's, each other's jokes, asking questions about each other's children. There's a side of camaraderie which, which people don't see and people don't recognize, and, and unfortunately we take things uh, to become personal. I think that's that's the biggest message. Disagreements, we're, we're always going to have disagreements, and that's a part of who we are. In the time of the Gemara, it was, it was Hillel and Shammai, or the freedom of Hillel and Shammai, and Abai and Rava, and, and to, to understand that we'll have those disagreements, and, and everybody, in their opinions here, they mean it Lashem Shamayim. The people who I disagree with ideologically, they firmly believe that what they're doing is best for Judaism and best for Israel uh, with all of their heart and soul. It's not to destroy uh, Judaism. And, and it's always important to separate between the personal 
and the political or the ideological. And unfortunately, I've learned in my year and a half with all the uh, emails that I receive and letters and, and, and even phone calls at times that people aren't able to make uh, that right. distinction, and that's a shame. And the point that you just made right now, that the state of Israel, despite whatever cuts were made, is still sending 500 million shekel a year, 500 million shekel a year to promote uh, the learning of Torah, uh, and to enable people uh, to learn Torah is something which, without a doubt, uh, not only has never happened in history, but, but it, has to, it should be the focus instead of any other negative. No question about it. Uh, Rabbi Dov Lipman, member of Knesset, Yesh Atid Party. The, and you've always pointed out, by the way, that if someone like Yair Lapid had the opportunity to sit down with some of our Torah giants who you know, represent the, the, you know, the, the community of uh, of religious observance, if they had an opportunity to sit down and, in a peaceful manner, have a you know fruitful discussion, you you believe that discussion would be very fruitful. I do, and I'll even tell you that um, some of those types of conversations with representatives of some of those uh, rabbinic figures have, have taken place, and 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 there are understandings that have been come to, and that relates to the draft. By the way, let me just give you just an example about that for a moment. A few, six, uh, seven months ago, before we passed the law, the average person on the street thought that the moment this law passes, there's going to be police going through you know, yeshiva dormitories and dragging yeshiva bachim to jail. That's what, by the way, on the day of the prayer rally in Yushalayim, that's what young Haredi uh, yeshiva bachim told me when I asked them, what did the law say? And that's something which I would be out in the streets uh, demonstrating against and being even stronger uh, than they were in this rally. Uh, but this is not coming from a place of anti-Torah or trying to destroy Torah. It's coming from a place of trying to fix a very complicated situation. And Yair Lapid and Ofer Shelach and everyone else involved and Yaakov Perry, they understand that there's, a, that there's a, there's a transition that has to take place, number one. They understand that not everyone is going to serve in the army. Uh, a majority might even not serve in the army. They understand that somebody who really is learning Torah day and night, really, Torah to umnato. Torah to umnato, if you look at the Mepharshim and the Rishonim, some even say, if Torah is your only occupation, you don't stop to put on tefillin. Right. You don't stop to daven. Someone who can't stop learning Torah, they agree that person should be learning, but we know that that's not the overall majority, and there's a process going on in terms of integration into the army and the workforce and national service. So maybe, and, so maybe in light of this horrific tragedy, at the minimum, all of us should make a commitment to take one thing upon ourselves, that we'll stop using the expression that blank, whoever it is that we're referring to, whether it be right or left, is destroying Judaism. Maybe at least we should that, start. Maybe at least we should start with that in memory of the boys. That that we're, we're going to get rid of the really harsh rhetoric and try to at least understand where our brethren are coming from. And that's what I think the mothers taught us. The mothers could have very, very easily, very easily slipped into all kind of political rhetoric. This happened because of this deal that was made in this year. This happened because of this politician who made this decision, or this defense minister, or this not getting budgets to hear. They didn't do that for a moment. They, they, they valued every single person who came to show them love, that they welcomed them. I sat at the rally on Sunday night next to my dear friend, the health minister, Yael German. Yael German comes from a very secular background, politically very left-wing, very liberal. She was from the Maris Party originally, and she said she couldn't not be there. And there we were sitting together while Jonathan Rozelle and a, a secular singer up on the stage singing the Hisha Amda and the Yush, and the two of us are down below singing the that together and then joining in. It, it's something where you realize that when it's all said and done, all we have, all we have is each other. 
Uh, I, I'm learning that more and more. I have a member who's uh, meeting with members of the British Parliament in an hour, and I'm going to learn that every time I meet with them, I realize all we have is each other. And and the more we strengthen that, and yes, debate. We should debate. Uh, I'm open to talking to anyone about any topic, and I have a Haridim, for example, that comes to my office all the time, and we meet and I explain, and, the, and we might disagree, but I guarantee you they walk out saying, he's not who I thought he was. And that no doubt applies to every single person across the spectrum. And I think that your idea uh, would be the greatest, greatest source uh, of merit for the boys. Dove Lipman is with us from Israel. Um, was there, and again, I know we shouldn't get into the whole political thing, but I'm so curious. Um, we know what the attitude has been now since the mid-'80s about exchanging uh, prisoners uh, for those who are being who are being held by the enemy, we know that there was a, a a tremendous change in the 80s, and that practice has basically gone on until these days. We know what happened with the Gilad Shalit case, and I'm sure both sides could debate that forever whether whether it was a good idea or not. Would you say that behind the scenes, since this abduction and triple murder, that there is a different attitude both in the state of Israel and the Knesset? in terms of this whole notion, as people started to think whether there would be a, a proposal of prisoners for these boys? Uh, there definitely has been a change, and, and there's two factors. One is uh, what I, what I uh, tried to, uh, to get out before, and it's not easy to talk about, just the idea of, of seeing how far it can go with these evil people and just taking uh, innocent boys. That, that's one level. But another thing happened during these 18 days and that is the announcement of the arrest of the murderers of um, of Baruch Mizrahi, right. uh, who was murdered in Erev Pesach, and finding out that his murderer was someone who was released in the Gilad Shalit deal. Meaning, for people to be able to see, and again, I we don't blame the Shalit family right. for all of their efforts. Correct. We don't blame Gilad. We don't take it in that direction at all. But uh, just in terms of taking a step back and seeing the direct line, wow, this person was released from our jails, stood on a, on a, on a street, on a, on a road leading towards uh, Hebron, and, and, and without ruthlessly uh, shot bullets into a car filled with a family, and now there's a widow and, and, and orphans because of it, it definitely, definitely impacted people about this whole issue in general. And um, I, I think it's going to take some time to analyze all the political uh, ramifications of everything uh, that we've experienced. Uh, there definitely is a feeling, and, and I support this feeling, and, and certainly the ministers in our party, not to respond from the gut, not to respond from emotion, because you do that, we can end up hurting ourselves, or even worse, hurting, hurting soldiers and putting them in danger. But there are definitely going to be some strong decisions made, and I think that it absolutely will impact uh, policy uh, as we move forward. Uh, I'll tell you, there, there are very few silver linings. Obviously, the unity was one of them, but very, very few. But when you think about, you know, if, in fact, uh, the boys would have been held or the bodies would have been held hostage for, for any length of time, this debate, again, would have likely, you know, I don't, I don't want to say torn apart the people of Israel, but certainly would have been a very uh, sensitive issue, to say the least. So maybe there is a... Absolutely, and just I, I, I'm assuming that people in America know this, but just in case they don't, because obviously we wonder about the boys and their suffering and the like. And again, uh, I'm not saying that there's any level of, of, of happiness, and I can't even call it a silver lining, but uh, they, they, they were not 
um, they, they, they were not uh, together with us in this world after about uh, five minutes. Wow. They, they were, um, it's very clear from all the information and all the evidence and, and the like that it was just a matter of minutes. And, and, and you know, as a father of a, of a 17-year-old boy, that, that's certainly an element which I thought about so much. Uh, during these 18 days, is, is what did they experience? What you know, what was it like for them? And um, that's something which sh- I know, I know, uh, provides some level of comfort uh, for for the families and and for the broader family, which is all about Israel. Yeah, I think all of us had our personal experiences. My 16-year-old was leading to Hillam. I'm thinking about the 16-year-olds who, at that time, we thought were being held by the enemy and uh, how interesting life is. With that in mind, by the way, there are a lot of people who are going to do this summer what you've already done, which is move from North America to the Holy Land. Uh, what do you say to people who, uh, I don't know, may, may have become a drop more hesitant after this episode and maybe, you know, may have dampened their, uh, their, uh, their great spirit of heading to the Holy Land as soon as possible? I would tell them that um, if they could ask my 17-year-old son who had his Savri shown, which means his first appearance before the Army Board to go into the Army, God willing, in a few years, uh, who very much identified with the boys, whose good friend from Yeshiva was at the uh, Trempiado, was at the bus stop with them and, and, and experienced a lot of this almost firsthand, if you would ask him uh, for a moment, despite everything you just experienced, would you give up on moving to Israel and would you want to be living in America? His, his answer without any hesitation would be that Israel is where I belong, Israel is where Jews belong, Israel is where I feel closer to God, Israel is where I'm soaring in learning Torah but also uh, contributing to the Jewish people in, in ways that I couldn't do uh, in other circumstances. That, that would be his answer. And uh, none, of these, none of these fears um, uh, impact our thoughts about uh, Moving here, um, God willing, next Tuesday we're having a celebration in the Knesset, a reunion of my 10-year, my, my flight, my Aliyah flight 10 years ago. And, um, you know, if you pulled everyone in that room, it's just going to be a celebration of everything we've experienced and will experience, God willing, despite all of the challenges and despite uh, some of those fears and despite the fact that uh, there are missiles and there are terrorists and uh, it, it, there is nothing, there, there are really no words. Um, to describe what what it feels like to be uh, in the land that, that that God has promised to you, that God says is your homeland, and uh, I can say as a member of Knesset, with all the disagreements and with all of the challenges that face us and decisions that we have to make, uh, that's the greatest honor. It's the, it's the greatest honor to where we're sitting and helping to determine uh, the the Jewish future and 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 the future of our land, and uh, it's a, it's the greatest miracle that that we, that we're in this. Situation. Finally, Dove Lipman, uh, people are curious about the reaction from Israel. We know uh, certain things have already happened, and the Israeli Air Force has taken care of things in the Gaza Strip when necessary. But in terms of a stronger or more uh, direct reaction to what happened, uh, can you can you give us a perspective on what we might expect this summer? There is definitely going to be uh, further action. Uh, everyone has to realize that when people say. You know, go into the Gaza Strip and, 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 and root out all of the missiles and root out all of the evil. Uh, that you're talking about our sons. You're talking about our sons going in there. I know that at the end of Amud Anan, for example, when we went in a few years ago and the decision had to be made, should we go in with ground troops or not, there are estimates, God forbid, of, of over a thousand lives lost on, on our side if we would do that. It's, it's, it's complicated, uh, but I guarantee you that every single member of 
the government, and I, I spent a significant time yesterday with two ministers. Uh, yesterday, uh, they are committed not only on the base level to punishing uh, the, the people involved in this particular murder, uh, but to go after the leadership of, of Hamas and to do what is necessary to try to bring life back to normal uh, in uh, Spirot and in the whole area of the South, where unfortunately uh, people are suffering terribly and it is a very difficult way to live. Uh, and the key is, like I said before, not to react from the gut, not to react from motion, to sit with the experts on the army, to sit with the security experts, uh, including the Shabak, and, uh, who have the information on the ground, and to make the best decision to provide security to the people of Israel. And I can tell everyone in America, yes, there will be further action, and, and that is what the goal will be. Dove Lipman, I'm sure you'll see the families this week. Uh, the families of Ayal Gilad and uh, Naftali, please convey to them that the uh, collective Jewish heart continues to grieve with them and shares a small part of this uh, incredible agony that they're experiencing right now. I will tell them, I will tell you that sitting with them on Sunday night in, in Tel Aviv at the big rally in Kikar Abin, they, they, they kept saying to us as members of Knesset how, how much it means. And, and by the way, at that point, believe me, they, they knew that, 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 that Obviously, everyone held out hope uh, for a ending where the boys would come home alive. They knew they the news wouldn't be good. They knew the reality of that, that that's not likely, right. and, and they, they were taking it in, and it was like a collective hug, and, and it raised them up. It raised up. They, they raised us up, but we also uh, raised them up, and uh, I will convey that to them. I'll be going, God willing, on Friday morning to two of the families, and the Motsi Shabbat uh, to the third, and uh, I will absolutely convey that to them, and I, I guarantee you that that'll play a huge role in their, in their being consoled. I thank you so much for joining us. We should speak on uh, really wonderful occasions in the future. Thank you. Amen. Wednesday morning, Rabbi Dov Lutman, member of Knesset, Yeshatid Party in Israel, and uh, I appreciate his time this morning. He will be bringing that message to the families, that the collective Jewish heart is in grief with them, and that we, whether it be in the United States or other parts of the world, came together over the last couple of weeks to offer whatever we could in the hope that Ayal Gilad and Naftali would be found safely and uh, would be returned home. That, of course, uh, did not happen, but the unity and the incredible love of the Jewish people, love for one another, our brothers and sisters that came through during these two weeks, simply unmatched. J.M. and the A.M. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We learn in the Pasuk, Yehishem Hashem Evoiroch, praise the name of Hashem, from the rising of the sun to its setting. Why doesn't the Pasuk merely say, praise Hashem the whole day? David HaMelech is telling us something very special, that any given situation, we should be able to learn to praise Hashem. The rising of the sun is only an allusion to periods of happiness, success, and affluence. That's when the sun is shining. However, there is another time in life, Mevoi. That's when the sun sets. It alludes to periods of darkness, when there is sadness and dejection. A similar concept is explained by the great Rabbi Yitzhak of Vork. In the Kriyashma, we read the words, B'shach when you lie down and when you rise up. The Vorker asks an interesting question. Why doesn't it first say, when you get up, 
and then afterwards when you lie down. He explains, when you get up, it refers to the Yemei Aliyah, the Yemei Simcha, the happy days, the days when we're up. However, there is also a time of Bishach a time of night, a time of sadness and dejection. It signifies Yemei Yerida. During those days, it's more difficult for a person to be mechazek themselves, for an individual to have the strength and the encouragement to go on. Therefore, the Pasuk specifically says, Strengthen yourself, get the chizuk, encourage yourself, look towards the Torah. Know that we are a people, that it says, that even in the face of great challenge, we're able to rise up and continue on. The Medrash tells us, Avram Avinu had to struggle with the ram to free it from its bushes. As soon as he disentangled the isle, the animal ran over to other bushes and got trapped once again. The Beis Yitzel comments that Bnei Yisrael too, throughout history, have become entangled in successive Goliaths. As soon as we're released from one Golos, we were caught up in another Golos. Avram Avinu was being told what would be the future of Bnei Yisrael, with the ram continuously being caught up in the bushes. Why did he have to hear about this in advance? The Beis points out that the ram emerged whole, with its horns intact, indicating that Klal Yisrael will emerge from Golos. We will be Omid bin Isayon. We will stand the test. And our Amuna, our faith, will be complete. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. Oh,
J.M. in the A.M. Wednesday morning. I want to thank Dove Lipman who joined us from the Yesh Atid party in Israel. An interesting perspective post the uh, funerals of uh, Eyal Gilad and Naftali. Good morning all. 20 minutes before 8 o'clock on this Wednesday, as I said earlier, a lot of summer camps have begun, and both uh, the overnight camps and the uh, day camps in our community have been, uh, many of them have been just amazing in the way they've handled this whole situation, both in terms of the news to the kids and uh, special programming to um, to make these events uh uh, and give these events, I should say, the prominence they deserve, and uh, of course, balancing that with the uh, with the fun and and the spirited activities that uh, the kids should be enjoying in camp, and uh, hopefully now they'll be able to uh, drift into a regular routine for this summer. Uh, won't be a regular routine for the um, for the Frankel, and I should say for the families of. Uh, of Eyal Gilad and Naftali. The, uh, as you heard at the top of the hour, the news from Israel, the Shiva houses are packed, as you would suspect. The people are coming from far and wide. There are people, I know of some, who are flying from the United States to Israel to be with the families, especially the Frankel family who has, uh, who have relatives here. And, um, our thoughts continue to be with them during this time. Many things were said yesterday during the uh, funerals that took place, the three funerals in the three hometowns, and then the one collective funeral side-by-side in Modi'in. And Rav Zinger, the Rosh Yeshiva of Makar Chaim, at one point said that the cliché, he said this in Hebrew, he said the cliché of um, two Jews, three opinions, he would add with one heart because it seems that all of us have been able to plug into that one heart over the last couple of weeks and be inspired, give others inspiration, and hope together that this would end in a much better way. Unfortunately, it did not. Uh, kudos to those um, in the publishing industry who are dedicating pages and pages to the boys and to this amazing unity that we've experienced over the last couple of weeks. I saw this morning the special supplement that Hamodia printed uh, with many different articles about the entire episode, but what got me the most was the photos of so many places around the world, so many yeshivot, so many synagogues that just came together, and uh, Hasidic uh, institutions. who all came together with one purpose. Can't be overstated the incredible unity that was felt over these couple of weeks. Charlie Harari is going to join us in a few minutes. Rav David Stav. Rav David Stav is in this country. He'll join us by telephone about 8.20 this morning here at JM in the AM. He is the founder of the Tsohar Rabbinical Organization, was almost the chief rabbi of Israel, for those of you who remember the uh, that whole... Parsha, as we say. He'll be joining us coming up right here 
at JM in the AM. Isolated thunderstorms today with a high temperature of 89. Tonight, the low of 76, and tomorrow, thunderstorms with a high of 86 degrees. Right now, we're at 76. Friday is the 4th of July. We will be here, and we will conduct the uh, weekly update. Malcolm Honeline is in Israel, and as of now, is scheduled to join us from Israel uh, with the weekly update this coming Friday morning. Should be an interesting conversation. Uh, so that'll happen Friday right here at JM in the AM. Our stream is back to normal. We preempted our programming yesterday to play appropriate music for the circumstances. Today, our 9 at 9 presentation will begin at 9 a.m. Yossi Zweig will have the Z-Report live lunch coming up uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Our jmnam.org stream is back into our regular format. So make sure to check it out during the day and uh, enjoy. More coming up on a Wednesday morning at JM in the AM.
Eighth day, Wednesday morning. 76 degrees, isolated thunderstorms, high temperature today at uh, 89. Thanks for tuning in. Our uh, stream is back to normal, so to speak. We preempted yesterday to uh, play appropriate music for a day uh, because of the funerals taking place in Israel. Um, our stream back to normal coming up one hour from now, the 9 at 9 replay happening between 9 and 10 this morning. Album of the week between 10 and 11, 11 o'clock for the live lunch, Z-Report live lunch conducted by Yossi Zweig, all happening between 11 and 1 today on our stream at jmtheam.org. Minute before 8 o'clock, Charlie Harari is going to join us, and Rav David Stav, head of the Tsoar Rabbinical Organization in Israel, is in the United States. He'll join us as well. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org.
Well, although one day uh, we may formalize his title, right now he is the de facto director of uh, spiritual and inspirational programming for the Nahum Siegel Network. I'm speaking about the world-renowned lecturer and the man of spirit and inspiration, Charlie Harari, who's with us live via telephone. Charlie, welcome to JM in the AM. Hi, Nachum. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, great to have you. And uh, you're one of the busiest people around. It's good that we were able to secure you and uh, discuss what's happening in this amazing world of ours here on this Wednesday morning. I would love to ask you your perspective. I'm sure many of our listeners would love to hear your perspective. On the last couple of weeks and the unity that was seen, the grief that was shared uh, in so many different stages by the collective Jewish heart, the international collective Jewish heart, as I've been calling it, uh, what are your impressions about what seems to be an unprecedented familial reaction to what happened in Israel? You know, that's you're, you're hitting it right on, on the nail, and I think that one of the things that the Jewish community at large is grappling with right now, and this is why I'm so honored to be on your show now, because I've been fielding calls um, all day yesterday about sort of this one idea that is really troubling, I think, our people, which is this concept of prayer. You know, we got together, we, we, we dealt with tragedy, and we deal with tragedy the way we're, we're, we're sort of commanded to deal with tragedy by praying and asking, um, and with all of that, it seems as if it was for naught. Um, and we get the horrible news that these boys were actually killed. And so some of the things that I think uh, people are grappling with right now, I know that I've gotten this a couple of times just yesterday, with, which is the question of, you know, do our prayers count? Um, and I think that's really on the minds of a lot of people today. Um, do our prayers count? Doesn't matter. I, I, I've been saying that the Hillam after Shul, we're looking at rallies. I mean, I was in Israel last week, and you can't even, you, there was no moment that, that the Kotel did not have between 50 and, you know, thousands of people at some point just praying and saying, just bring back the boys. And it looks like it was for, not, for nothing. Um, and, and I really think that it's, it's, it's worth us talking about a little bit today um, in terms of sort of what are we doing when we're praying and why didn't God answer us? Hmm. Um, so, and, and I think... No, go ahead. I'm sorry. And I, and I think that's really the question. And the question is, like, what happened? We, it, it, this should have been, like, a, a happy ending. Um, and, and in thinking about it, I really I think that, you know, we, we misconstrue prayer. And sometimes we speak about this all the time, me and you know about um, Judaism and some of the principles that we have and some of the things that we do and how we, mis- we misperceive them. We misperceive Yom Kippur. We misperceive Rosh Hashanah. Even Tisha B'Av is this constant sort of, you know, collective, maybe small misperception in terms of the value of what we do. Um, and um, in many cases, prayer is that, is that way. I and mean, we think that the way it works is that God does something, and then, like, it's our job to change his mind. Right. And so he took our boys, and, like, we, it's like, he's like, can you get any louder? And we start crying, and he's like, I don't know, should I give him back to you? And, yeah. Like, I, I just, just like, I, yeah, I'm sorry for interrupting. I just think there's an added factor in this case. Like, normally, you know, like you just said, someone is, God forbid, ill, or we need something. So we pray, and I think many of us expect, you know, it'll be a yes or no, so to speak, and, you know, we're used to that type of give and take, uh, quote-unquote, with the one above. But in this case, I think it was another layer to it. It's not just that we're praying. 
look how together we are. Look how, you know, people who've never prayed in the last 10 years and people who pray three plus times a day, you know, are all on the same page, are all interrupting their day's activities, whether it be immersed in Torah or the opposite end, immersed in, in you know, in, in the mundane and are completely unified in this effort. And I think that that added layer made it more frustrating for those that you're describing. Absolutely. And, and it, but it, 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 you're right. And it, but it all lines up with the question of, we did stuff, now we expect a result. Right. And the idea is that we still believe that we're going to change God's mind. Like, there's something that we can do that's going to shift his mind. He was going to do this, but now he's going to do something different. And I think it's slightly off. And I think that we're close, but it's just not there. And that small nuance is, is really where it's really the, the difference of everything, which is we never change God's mind. God knows what he's doing. He's, there's cheshbonos. There's stuff that we can't even like dream of that make him run the world the way he runs the world. What happens and where we come in is when we change ourselves. The goal of prayer the goal of tefillah, all the things that we do when we deal with crisis is not to change God's mind. It's to be, it's to not be shyach. It's to not be, it's to be a different person along the way. It's like when someone gets sick and you add him a a name. You're saying to God, that, he's a different person now. Wrong guy. Sorry. Guy (laughs) X deserved this. But he's not guy X, so you got the wrong guy. Let's, let's go back to zero. And I think that the goal of what we've been doing is not to change God, but it's to change ourselves. It's to say, we weren't the nation we were last week. We were a different nation. No, that nation deserved three boys getting kidnapped by murderers that were dressed in human bodies. No, 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 this is a different nation. You see, it's not, we're, not, we're not shy to it. And where we're frustrated is I think that we're all in pain and grief, mm. and that's one layer of this. But there's another layer which is much more destructive, which is, a lack of confidence in the system, a lack of confidence in God, a lack of confusion and ambiguity, which is really more destructive than any grief we can ever experience. And I think it's because we don't fully appreciate what, and I think you're, 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 you're hitting it, we don't really appreciate what we've done and who we've become over the past week. You know, a friend of mine who, you know, it's a little bit of a side story, but it, but it plays in, who, whose sister was getting married, this is years ago, and he was way overweight, and his wife didn't said to him, under no circumstances am I walking down the aisle if you're looking like that. So she literally put him on like a crazy diet for six or whatever months before the wedding. And then, literally before the wedding, the wedding was called off. Mm. And he was commenting to me that all that was for nothing. <laughs> and I said, for nothing? He's like, I went to the gym, I didn't eat all my... I'm like, you lost all your weight. Like, You've, you, you've, you've changed as a human being. Okay, the result wasn't what you wanted. You wanted your, obviously, sister to get married. And since then, the Bukhas and Inkal have both gotten married to different people and they're living happily ever after. But his, my, my point to him was, you've changed. You're, you're not the same person. Don't go back to eating the way you eat. You've got, you have an opportunity now through the grief, through the, through the upset to change. And that's something that I think us as a community need to fully appreciate. And I happen to have been in Israel last week. I was taking that tour, that 150-guy that tour across the country. And i got to tell you, I've been to Israel. I was there for, since my bar mitzvah, I was there all, almost every other year, every year. I spent two years living there in, in yeshiva. I've been there a do- dozens of times. I had never in my life ever seen Israel this way, ever. 
never, ever, ever seen Israel this way. We were from going down to Masada and Ein Gedi and dancing with the rest of Hasidim to going to Tzfat, to going to the Ravarlis Tish, to going to the commando bases. Name a type of Jew. It was a tour, so I had to go everywhere with them. Name a type of Jew. We saw them. And the level, and you mentioned this, and it's so true, the level of, let's put all of our politics aside and re- recognize that these are our boys. And even just the expression, bring back our boys, mm. necessitates the belief that they're our boys. Good point. They're, they're not the boys. Right. It, it, we didn't, it, you know, it's amazing. That's, that's how it should have been. It should have been bring back the boys. Right. Like, bring back kids. Like, it's inappropriate. You don't steal, you don't kidnap kids. That's not what we said. We said, bring back our boys. And what happened was we lost a lot of our weight. We lost our weight, the weight that has been bringing us down as a community, this divisiveness, this you look different, so you are differentness, this whole, like, we're not Shevet Achim Gamyachen anymore, we're just separate tribes that is keeping us stuck in the world of suffering and gullahs. It's like as if for a couple of days it went away. And... It's, no one asks, like, are they yeshiva kids? Are they Hezder kids? Are they black hat kids? Are they religious kids? Like, you never, you never heard anyone ask that question of, like, well, I don't really like, you know, that's, I don't agree with their politics or their religion, so I don't really care if they come home. It was this enormous sense that, oh, my God, we really are family. That's why, like, oh. I, that's why I say that among the more significant um, Actions that took place was when these large international yeshivot, whether in Israel or here, stopped what they were doing in the middle of the day to have some type of uh, of tefillah, to have some type of Tehillim rally. And I felt that that was just a, you know, again, as you just said, you know, we debate who are we, what are we, are you like me, are you not like me? And it seemed that even from that from both sides of the spectrum, people couldn't care less. You know about all those descriptions. They simply wanted to participate and do their job, do their role, have a role, in hopefully bring them home safely, and you know, hoping for a positive result. Oh yeah, and you've just seen what the, you go to the streets of Mansharim, and they're and they're, and they're davening for them. You go to the the streets of Tel Aviv, and they're they're davening for them. It's the it was the craziest, most surreal. Week. You know, one of and our. Even, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. <laughs> no, I was going to say one of our rabbi friends in Israel uh, was in a in an establishment in Meisharim where they were collecting for the soldiers in Hebron. They were collecting stuff for the soldiers in Hebron, and he said you would never believe who came in here to drop stuff off. It, it, unprecedented. I mean, people who who make their feelings about the state well known. And they walked in to make sure they participated in this campaign to help the soldiers who were going house to house in this sensitive operation. And I absolutely, and it was felt from inch to inch in that whole country. And what you know, you know, there's a you know, Shlomo Melis says that you know, man is born simple, and we complicate things. <laughs> the Jewish people, it's it's not that complicated. We're suffering because we can't get along. Like we have a lot in between that, which complicates, and and we get a little like off track. It's simple. We're suffering because of Gullahs. We're in Gullahs because of Sinasinum. Like it's a very simple equation. Until we fix it, we're not out of here. It's not going to end, even if we do everything right. Until we fix this. This is the battle. This is the, the hill. And it feels as if, it almost eerily, it feels that like 
This came in Tama's right before we start this three weeks. It's like this this weird time of year where God is reminding us, guys, like, get it together. Mm-hmm. Get it together enough. You are one family. This doesn't have to happen to you people. Like, you don't have to be suffering anymore. And my my sense from all of this is that if we walk away from this experience saying, we tried and we failed, we've missed it. We've missed it. The boys are in, in right now, it's, the families are grieving and the nation is grieving, and, and, and we have to be there in grief because they are our boys. And we don't know why the Kurdish Baruch Hu takes people. We, we never know these answers, why he takes young people, why he brings what he brings. Our job is to sort of react and to trust. But I think that ultimately, if we were able to realize as a nation that we lost weight this week, we did, we, we changed. We, and, we got into better spiritual shape. Exactly. And, you know, if three boys, you know, Noah Weinberg would always say that if one man can kill six million and one man can save six million. And if three boys can unite a nation in death, that means that that just a few people can unite a nation in life. No question. And I think that's the takeaway, at least that I'm taking now, is that we can never go back. We can never go back to divisiveness. We can never go back to we're separate again. If, if, If the boys really, if we really want their legacy to live on, it's not anything other than they, in their sacrifice, united a people. And that is the greatest... I mean, if, if, if we could realize that it's not God's mind that needed to be changing, it's our minds that needed to be changing. No and maybe we couldn't pull it off enough in time, and maybe we, did, we weren't worthy this time to bring back our boys. But if we, if we, if we remembered them through remembering what we felt like when we were going through this and how all of us, and you're right, all of us, like, it's crazy. I mean, like, the amount of people that, you know, on on Facebook I have a whole bunch of friends, and they're all very diverse, and the amount of Jews that are are sending around texts and posts, it's, I've never seen it in my whole life. It is unbelievable. Right? Have you ever seen this before? No, it's it's, it's remarkable that people who would, would react to nothing, People who would, who would never react to anything Jewish and just felt like this was hitting them right in the heart. Right. Do you know the story with Yossi Lapid? Not Yossi, the, the, the current MK Lapid. Oh, yeah, you're Lapid. Yeah, you're Lapid. Yeah, we spoke. We spoke. Mom, you ever heard, did you hear what she said to her? Go ahead. You know, you know the Yair isn't necessarily the most religious guy. Correct. Obviously, his party is, is, is sort of. Yeah, we spoke. We spoke to Dove Lipman a few minutes ago, so we were discussing his role, oh, it, yeah. meaning Yair Lapid's role in the funeral yesterday. Go ahead. So he's. I don't know if this is. You know, I'm, I'm sure you may have heard this before, mm-hmm. but he told the mom, one of the boys' moms, that when he found out about it, the first thing that he did right. was he went to his house and searched for his grandfather's sitter. Right. I mean, that's just like right. crazy stuff. Yeah, that's that like, was a very, very... And, and Dove Whitman uh, clarified for us that, that he does David once in a while, meaning Yair Lapid will pray, but this was the first time that he wanted to participate in a formal prayer service with a Sidor, and that was the you know the revolution, so to speak, that this episode had in his own life. 
Unbelievable. Right. Charlie. The thing that I will say is that, yeah, I'm and, I, and I'm doing this myself, and I suggest this for everyone listening today. You know, I, you know, Russian horror, all this stuff is just destroys us. So every day, I'll tell you personally, as soon as there's one opportunity for me to do something that would be against our familyhood, maybe it's Russian horror or saying the wrong thing. My, at one time a day that I have the opportunity to talk Russian horror or to do something that wouldn't be within the lines of, 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 uh, Avas, Avas, uh, Achim, I hold back once and every day say, you know what, discuss these boys, that Russian horror that is not being said. And right. I think that if everyone just do one thing a day, whether it's stuck or just something to remind us that we're one people in honor of these boys, I think every candle that we light and every time we remember them, who knows if their their memory and their death could be the stimulus for, you know, a revival this period of time so we can make this the last dish of ever. No question about it. Charlie, thank you so much for joining us and for your words of inspiration this morning. Thank you for having me. More coming up. It's Wednesday. That's Charlie Harari with us on a uh, Wednesday edition of JM in the AM. J.M. in the A.M. will get to our uh, appropriate music in the aftermath of this tragedy in Israel uh, coming up. Uh, first, Harav David Stav is with us live via telephone. He is chairman of the Tsohar National Religious Rabbinical Association. He is here participating in the RCA Convention, Rabbinical Council of America, and he joins us live via telephone. Harav Stav, welcome to J.M. in the A.M. Good morning to you all the people to listen to us. Thank you so much. Um, is there any way for you to convey to us uh, this national feeling that's going on in Israel right now? I know that uh, you and so many others have seen many tragedies over the years and decades, but this one seems to be unique. Could you tell us how you would describe what's happening in Israel? Yeah, I think it's a very, very special moment in the life of uh, the Israelis. I think that uh, I've seen a lot of tragedies in Israel, but uh, I could not recall uh, an event that caused so many people from all tribes of the Israeli society, from all segments of Israeli society, to pray, to daven, to bake, uh, to make a precious challah on last Friday and the last couple of two Fridays, actually, to uh, commit themselves to so many good things that they um, they are accepting upon themselves, observant and non-observant people. I dare to say that uh, we have never been so united as we have seen in the last 18 days of that uh, tragedy that uh, took uh, took place. You know, we we usually, as Jews, uh, remember the 10 days before between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And I think I think that you know everyone is accepting upon himself things before Yom Kippur. I think 
I could never recall a set he made Shuba and Er at such a period of time that was so effective on the entire society as these days, these 18 days. Unbelievable. Harav David Stav with us live via telephone. Um, you know these boys, and I don't mean that you know these three specific boys, but in your life, especially in the religious Zionist community of Israel, you have come across many amazing young people that are dedicated to Torah, Ma'asim Tovim, to their great family life, and move on at some point to serve in the Israeli army, to be beacons of hope and leadership for the state of Israel. You know what I mean when I say you know these boys. And they, they, they were not just a symbol of, uh, of Jews being attacked and then murdered, but a real symbol of the national identity of the state of Israel. Am I right? No question about that. First of all, uh, two out of the three learned with my sons. Wow. In Yeshivat Mekochayim. So actually, I did not know them personally, but I know them from the Yeshiva where they learn, which is considered to be one of the top Yeshivot Tichoniot in, in the state of Israel. Uh, I think uh, the elite guys of the religious Zionist society learn, learn in this uh, Yeshiva high school. Yeshiva high school. Um, I know one of the families that the teacher, that the mother, uh, Bat Galim Shaher from Talmon, from the settlement of Talmon, teaches by us in Shoham, the city where I'm serving as the chief rabbi of. And these are real noble families. I mean, so so sensitive, so responsible. They've shown such uh, de- determined leadership in the last 18 days. I-, I think that a part of what occurred to us, to the Israeli society during the last 18 days, uh, we could not um, ignore the fact that one of the reasons for that phenomena is the, the behavior of the three noble families, which yeah. have shown us, have taught us such a big lesson of faith, of leadership, responsibility. You know, even the names of the ministers that they've chosen to bring to their funerals, that they did not relate to their specific uh, segment of society. They did not choose to bring leaders that uh, officially belong to the uh, religious Zionist movement, but rather wanted to bring leaders that symbolize to the Israeli society a part, something which is broader, leaders that belong to secular parties, in order to create the feeling that this is not something that relates to one tribe, but it is something that makes us all in that uh, position, in that situation. The terrorists did not uh, kill or murder these three boys just because the, one of them was uh, was uh, living in a settlement and another one was uh, studying in a settlement, but because they were Jews and each they caused each one of the families in Israel and myself, I'm including myself in in, this, in these families. They caused every family in Israel to feel that it could occur to their son, it could occur to their daughter, and that's why everybody feels that it's just a coincidence that these were the sacri- sacrifices because actually the terrorists wanted and still the rest of them that are alive want us all to be killed and that's that's the contribution of these families that succeeded to unite so many people in israel and i think in the rest of the jewish world and uh, around them and uh, caused us all to feel that what we all know but like to forget from time to time mm. that yet we are one united nation that our enemies do not distinguish between one 
subscribe to another truth. This is what uh, Rav Zinger, the Rosh Hashiva of Makar Chaim, said yesterday during the funeral. <laughs> He alluded to what we always say, three, uh, two Jews, three opinions, but in this case, one... You know what's interesting about what happened yesterday in the funeral, that on one hand, Rav Zinger said, and all the people, over tens of thousands and maybe more, that were there, repeated after him, reciting the very famous statement of the Ariya Kadosh, right. Right. But an hour earlier, Yair Lapid, that is not considered to be... Uh, observant uh, rabbi said the same thing. Yeah. And he said also, he, he was the first one to use that statement of the Ariya Kadosh. And a few days earlier, he said, for the first time in the last six years, he opened the cedar to say to him. And you know, ten days ago, ago I was asked by, by every Avri Gilad, one of the very famous uh, performances in the Channel 2 um, uh, uh, in the television, he asked me to come to the studio to the secular studio in Channel 2 is symbolizing the, the secularism in Israel. And he asked me to come to the studio and to pray to heal him with all the audiences. And, and that's, it shows something that is very deep exists in all the Jewish souls all over the world. That deep, deep in our heart we know that we belong to one nation, we belong to one God, and we belong to something that characterizes us and makes us so unique and so special. And we wish that the rabbis and the leaders of our society will know how to go from that step that has been achieved, unfortunately, with the, with the killing, with the murdering of these three holy souls, that we will, that Hashem will give us the wisdom and the power and the strength to continue from that point and to go to uh, the next step and not to go back down to the bottom to continue with the cynicism, with other components of what we are used to see as regular Jewish uh, Jewish life in our society. Harav David Stav is with us. Uh, I know you're very tight on time, but I have to ask you this question: um, Do you think, and you have you have you have reached out to such a degree to those who are not observant in Israel through your work? Do you think this will improve the relationship between the religious community and those who are not observant? And then on the other side, we know, and today's not the day to discuss it, but we know that not everybody from the, uh, you know, from the, what we would call the right wing camp is a fan of yours. Um, do you think that this might improve the relationship between the different religious groups as well? It depends on us. Not only on us, but it depends on us, on the rabbis, on the leaders. If we, the, the rabbis or the leaders, will now concentrate or focus our our behavior or our uh, speeches, uh, accusing the police or accusing the state or accusing the government, why didn't you do this and you didn't do that to the terrorists? If that will, I mean, this this kind of discussion should take place as a, in every democratic state. But if the rabbis, if the spiritual leadership will not will know how to utilize what has been achieved now and will try to seek for more dialogue, for more dialogues, and for more understanding between the segments of the society, we could achieve a lot, uh, a lot in, in the, in the, from now on. But if we will come back to the ancient debates about the relationship between 
settlements and the left wing and religious and non-religious and we'll, all our focus will be on the questions of going to the army and going and sharing the responsibility and instead of knocking on our chest we'll keep on insisting knocking on somebody else's chest in when we say and we will concentrate on blaming others so then uh, nothing will, will change and nothing will be improved I hope that we'll be wise enough in order to take advantage of what has been achieved now and to move to move forward. Harav Stav, always an honor to speak with you. Todaraba. Thank you very much. Wednesday morning, this is JM in the AM.
all comes undone. You've hit rock bottom when all the answers asked for seem ignored. Cause you never got them. There's not a door you haven't tried, but every key is locked inside. Your faith is shaken to the ground. When all the hope you cling to slips away, you're treading water. When desert winds are blowing sand astray, sun's getting hotter. The highest mountains block your view. The woods are deep you can't see through. You're losing hope you'll ever find your way. J.M. and the A.M. I have found a uh, tremendous amount of inspiration over the last couple of weeks from that song. Pray, done by Michal Przanski. 
Great selection, great selection off his brand new CD. Uh, before that, you heard Amechad, yes, One Nation, One People. That was uh, Ari Goldwag. Baruch Levine with Shifchi Kamayim. My thanks to Rav um, I don't know if everybody heard the piece because Rabbi Stav went straight into the uh, discussion about Yair Lapid and the uh, and the um, Ariya Kadosh. Um, this was the piece from the eulogy delivered by Rabbi uh, Zinger, the head of uh, the Rosh Hashiva of uh, Makar Chaim. This is what he said in Hebrew. את מה שראינו בימים האלו, ואנחנו רואים כאן בציבור הענק והנפלא הזה. נזכור את הפתגם שאומר שני יהודים, שלוש דעות, אבל לב אחד. יש לנו לב אחד. It reminds him, what's happened over the last couple of weeks, and this scene in general, reminds him of the old adage, two Jews, three opinions. And he added, but one heart. Yes, we have one heart. And I thought that was one of the... Very inspiring things said yesterday during the different uh, eulogies for for uh, Gilad, Naftali, and Dayal. The Shar, Frankel, and Yifrach families are sitting shiva, and the as you can imagine, the number of people who are uh, who are visiting is immense. Our uh, our thoughts are with them, and a uh, a big kolakavod to anybody from the U.S. And we know of a few that have gone to Israel over the last day just to share time with them and to express condolences. Their plan is to come back uh, almost immediately. And um, again, call it J.M. and the A.M. at the 14 minutes before 9 o'clock. We're back into our regular format on our stream uh, all through the day, which means that you'll hear the 9 at 9 coming up at 9 o'clock. 10 o'clock for the album of the week, 11 o'clock for the live lunch with Yossi Zweig. So keep it here all day long at jmnam.org. My conversation with Haravadin Steinsaltz, which was recorded last week, will finally be aired. We weren't able to do it yesterday because we preempted, but will finally be aired uh, next Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, I should say, um, uh, at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on our stream during the Koran Publications by the Book segment. All right, so I'll be coming up next week, and I'll remind you as we get closer and closer. Malcolm Honeline from Israel, 740 Eastern Time, this coming Friday, right here at JM in the AM. If I ever get back to California Gonna round up every truth I've ever known I'm gonna sit down, right down there in front of me Gonna take out this guitar and sing them all these songs God is alive and well in Jerusalem, yeah People praying three times a day to Him Throw away the cars and bones, the stocks and bones, and up catalogs. Grab a boat, a plane, if need be, swim. You see how some folks got a Lincoln Continental. Tinted glass, so nobody sees it. 
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WFMU, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Wraps up a Wednesday morning edition of JM in the AM. Nine at nine follows next. After that, our album of the week. After that, Yessie's Wag, a Z Report live lunch between 11 and 1 o'clock. All on our stream at jmintheam.org. Have a peaceful Wednesday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.